Hi, welcome to Maladjusted. Uh, want to talk about something um, from several different vantage points. I want to talk about a thing that I would call art mindset. And I want to talk about it. Uh, sure, I'm an art teacher and an artist. And sure, I, I want to share this with other art teachers and with art students, with my art students. But um, in some other ways, I also want to share this with uh, everybody, with non-artists. Because uh, there seems to be a, a hang-up that a lot of people have that art is only for artists. That it's this exceptional thing, uh, either exceptional skills or um, it's just icing on the cake and, and it's just enrichment, but it's not, it's not important. And, uh, or it's too hard. And so I, I want to break that down for, for people that are non-artists. And, and hopefully in some ways this will be helpful for, uh, uh, for actual artists too, even if you're not professional, even if you uh, do it as a hobby. Um, I call it art mindset. And uh, really it will come down to uh, a thing called uh, studio habits of mind, uh, which I'll get to in a, in a minute. But um, it's sort of the, the confluence or the, the combining. And there's a lot of things out there, uh, self-help movement and in business and um, also, of course, in, in education. One is growth mindset. Uh, idea that anyone can learn and intelligence is is not preset uh, another is uh, um, and and this has been important to me almost my whole career but especially for the last uh, 10 20 years in teaching that you can have all the subject matter and, and material in the world and you can set the standards and you can uh, go about having standardized testing but if students aren't motivated if they they don't want to learn you know where are you going to go you're spinning your wheels uh, so there's growth mindset there's a, a, a number of other different things that are kind of out there but, but with having a positive attitude um, I'm on a committee at my school a lot of schools are adopting uh, called PBIS uh, uh, it's a um, positive behavior initiative systems and and uh, want to recognize positive behavior want to be proactive about expectations uh, and so it's it's meant to help with uh, um, school culture and climate and bullying and uh, classroom management only on a school-wide uh, level but it put all of these things together you know, and um, positive thinking, the power of positive thinking, or um, what was the, uh, the idea that, uh, oh, I, I forget the, the name of it, it's kind of a mag- magnetism, that what you put out is what you attract. Oh, there it is, law of attraction. Uh, you put all of these things together with visual um, intelligence with visual literacy uh with visual thinking and you get what i would call art mindset so 
Um, I created a slideshow and I'm trying to build on to my classroom website and I did a, a pretty poor job using Screencastify to create a, a YouTube video. I may need to redo that and replace it, but um, this is some of what I talk about. Here it comes. <clears throat> I want to introduce you to the concept of art mindset. Art mindset means being creative and expressive. It means thinking visually. But most of all, it means having a positive growth mindset when it comes to making art. I believe that art is for everyone. And that was ingrained in me by a college professor, Reinhold Piper Markshausen at Concordia University uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. Art is for everyone. When you think about it, think about it. Almost everybody can walk or jog even though not everyone is an Olympic athlete or a professional athlete. We're taught and we learn how to read and write, even though very few of us become professional authors or writers. Well, in the same way, even if you can't draw your way out of a paper bag, even if you uh, don't feel like you can even draw a convincing stick figure, you can still make art. More importantly, you can still use art. I would hope that uh, using art mindset, you can get to a point where you can enjoy art, uh, even if it's not your own art. Everybody can enjoy looking at, at uh, other art. And, and hopefully everybody can come to a point where they can share art. You look at a um, couple of books that are out there and things going on in the business world uh, with uh, uh, sketch noting. And there's even uh, like live sketchnoting and live doodling during different conferences. You know, look it up. Find some TED Talks on it. Uh, you can share. Maybe you take a picture. Maybe you make a meme. Uh, maybe you scribble a doodle. Hey, we're sharing that kind of stuff all the time, and not just on Instagram, but on uh, Twitter and Snapchat and Facebook and LinkedIn. So again, anybody can make art, everybody can enjoy art, anybody can use art, and everybody can and should share art. What do I mean by using art? Well, I'm going to get to that in a minute, but, but let me go ahead and, and repeat it. Um, I went to a uh, writer's workshop, not the Iowa writer's I can't remember program works. I can't remember the name of it. Not the famous one out of uh, University of Iowa and Iowa City, uh, but uh, a nationwide national writing project. I think it. But at Morningside University, this is a few years ago, and uh, I don't teach English. I teach social studies, history, and I teach art. But um, I fancied myself a writer. I like writing, uh, and I got to a point where. <clears throat> A professor said to me, you know, don't worry so much about writing for an audience. Why do you have to be published to be a writer? Writing is a tool that you use for thinking. It's a thinking tool. Uh, and it didn't take very long for it to dawn on me, hey, you know what? That same thing is true of art. That same thing is true of, of drawing. You don't have to be a professional artist. You don't have to be a commercial artist or a designer or an illustrator or a gallery or a museum kind of, you know, portrait painter. You don't have to make a living as an artist to use art to help you think, 
to help you problem solve. Okay, so what I hear you saying though is, oh, I'm not an artist and I can't draw my way out of a paper bag and I can't even draw a stick figure, really. Well, maybe you're just afraid to try. The fact is that even the most successful professional artists feel so insecure sometimes. You know, I've been teaching for 25 years, and uh, every day uh, I, I feel insecure. Our students not going to listen to me. Our um, parents going to uh, be critical of me. What does my administrator think of me? Uh, I shouldn't have these insecurities, but I do. Well, artists do the same thing. You could be selling paintings for hundreds, even thousands of dollars, but uh, you have this fear that, well, what if the next thing I make people don't like? Or what if it dries up? What if I don't have any more ideas? Now, um, if you really are serious about art, uh, I know this is a, a lot to take if that's how you make your living. But I guess what I'm saying is, hey, even professional artists struggle with fear and anxiety and doubt and insecurity. Uh, there's a philosopher out there, uh, Rollo May, wrote a book about the, the courage to create. And artists, uh, whether you're a visual artist, whether you're a, a writer or a poet or a um, songwriter, a musician, a dancer, an actor, uh, anybody in a creative uh, field has to face that fear, looking at that blank page and feeling like, well, what am I going to do? You know, get over that fear. <clears throat> Maybe that's because uh, just by nature, the thing about art is other people are going to see it. And you can keep it in a bullet journal or sketchbook and put it in a drawer and never let anybody see it but you know if it's a halfway big painting or halfway big drawing or print or poster um somebody's gonna see it now uh and if they see it they're gonna have an opinion about it and they're probably gonna share those opinions with you and you may or may not be ready for what they have to say well you know what uh just like lots of things got to get over that and and uh it ends up that sharing uh has more benefits than it does drawbacks okay so there's a big um, movement as i mentioned in the beginning here called uh, growth mindset and really kind of led by a stanford professor uh psychologist uh carol dweck and uh, she would tell you that courage is part of learning and for that matter, failure is part of learning. So we have to take chances. Have to be willing to put yourself out there. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. A PE coach might say, no pain, no gain. And this is what I, I try to tell students all the time. You know what? If at first you don't succeed, uh, uh, skydiving is not the sport for you. But drawing? What do you, really? What, how much is that going to hurt you? If you try to, to learn how to draw and you, you feel like you're not successful at that, how did you really get hurt? So we have to face these fears. <clears throat> Too often we become paralyzed by our insecurity about how our art is going to turn out, about the finished product. Well, here's one way to get over that fear. Stop thinking about the product and start falling in love with the process. 
Uh, so often, middle school and high school students, uh, my wife's an English teacher, some of my best friends are colleagues that are English teachers. Uh, you know, kids just want to do it once. And they just assume get a C, although they'll probably complain to their teacher, you can't judge me, I should get an A for this. But what the English teachers are trying to teach is a process that you have a rough draft and then you revise that and you have a second draft. Eventually you come to a final draft. But there's a process, note taking and coming up with the outline and the plan and prioritizing and researching. And writing is not something that you just, boom, there, I'm done. Well, that's true of art. And here's the thing. If you worry more about the process than the product, the product is going to come. Um, marathon runners, triathlon athletes, uh, for that matter, team sport athletes. If you are only thinking about the score of that one game, uh, you're probably not going to succeed. What you need to be doing is thinking about practice and training and uh, uh, reviewing tapes. Now, uh, even if you are a gold medalist, you might say you ought to keep your eye on the prize and it's about the goal, but no, no. <laughs> it's about running every day. It's about getting up in the morning. It's about uh, doing the Pilates or the calisthenics. It's about adhering to the diet and the discipline. So it is with art, whether it's photography or drawing or painting. If you fall in love with the process, looking and observing and practicing and sketching and revising eventually your skills are going to build and the product will come so one way to get over your fear is stop worrying about the finished product and and focus on the process uh one of my favorite quotes as an art teacher is from salvador dali uh he once said don't worry about perfection you'll never meet it uh, so if you work on the process instead of whether or not you're good at art, hopefully that's going to help you have some courage. So <clears throat> how can we nurture an art mindset? <clears throat> and as I said at the beginning, uh, on, the, on the one hand, yeah, a part of me is doing this for personal, professional development, and it's for my classes and my students as an art teacher. But <clears throat> you know what? Uh, this really can help anyone that wants to 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 do anything as a hobby or anything creative um and it can also help not just people that think of themselves as artists as artists and want to be artists but it can help uh anyone who wants to use uh visual thinking in their life and want to develop that okay here's what it is i call it art mindset um, I kind of say that what you got to do is develop a positive attitude. You got to repeat those positive attitudes and you got to rehearse and practice them over and over again until they become ingrained in you and become good habits. You know, if it takes 21 days to make or break a habit, uh, uh, 28 days, something like that, people talk about that all the time for smoking or exercise or diet. Uh, I know uh, recently something I've been working on in personal life is, you know, uh, you rewire your brain if you uh, can think of at least three things to be grateful for for 21 straight days. Uh, And you know what? 
I am experiencing a little less anxiety. But uh, uh, I tell you what, draw every day for 21 days, even if it's just smiley faces and uh, uh, stick figures. See what happens. You know, practice. Uh, do a 21-day um, challenge on Instagram. You know, just take photos, even if they're not good, even if they're not meaningful. It's just kind of a 21-day diary. You know, give it a try. But say to yourself, I'm going to do this even if it doesn't turn out. Be positive about it. Find what you can about, all right, what is good about whatever it is I did this day in my sketchbook or on my phone with my cameras. Um, Don't instantly go to being negative about yourself. So you have positive attitudes and you build them into positive habits. And uh, another education writer that I've uh, read uh, a few years back is a woman named Angela Myers. And it's big on the Genius Hour movement. And a lot more of that maybe in um, some charter schools and especially in elementary schools. Um, Not seeing it as much here in western Iowa in middle school and high schools, but a pretty good idea. And I think it it fits in with STEM and STEAM and uh, maker uh, movements, all those kind of things. But Angela Myers, if you want to look her up, and she has a book called Habitudes, where you're taking positive attitudes toward learning and creating them, building them, developing them, nurturing them, working on them until they become habits. So combine attitudes and habits and you get habitudes. And those are going to help you grow. Well, there are a lot of disciplines. Uh, English, math, I looked up uh, social studies recently. I think they have like 10 or 12. But there's a lot of uh, movements and disciplines that are, are taking on this concept Uh, this frame of reference, if you will, of working on your motivation, working on your attitude about learning, and having that uh, hopefully open the doors to better learning. Uh, I think some of the most important habitudes are curiosity and humility. I'll tell my kids, uh, there's two kinds of people in this world, those that think they know it all, and those that know better. If you think you know it all, if you have such a fixed mindset that you're smart and you don't think you can learn from anyone, you're not going to learn. You've topped out. But if you're humble enough to say, you know, I can learn something new every day. And really, I can learn something from everyone I meet, even if they are developmentally disabled or younger than me or intellectually deficient somehow or... um, annoying <laughs> or a bully uh, even if i disagree with them or i don't like them uh there are pe- i can learn something from everyone everyone i meet well it takes humility to believe that but that's what growth mindset is about an open mindset uh knowing that there's always something more you can learn uh the other thing is curiosity uh, wanting to learn, wanting to create, wanting to explore, wanting to experience. Uh, another word for that or idea for that, at least when it comes to art, is wonder. Wouldn't it be nice instead of having the, the depression and anger and anxiety and angst that so, much of, so many of us struggle with these days, if we could rekindle that childlike sense of wonder 
And so curiosity and humility, but also, guess what? Courage. Having the guts to try something, to take a dare. So that's pretty important. Let me boil it down visually for art mindset's sake to these two. Look. Look at things differently. Uh, I think it was uh, George O'Keefe, and and I don't have the quote in front of me here, so I'm not going to give it to you verbatim, but she said something along the lines of, you know, everybody says how pretty flowers are, but nobody takes time to stop and smell the roses. And everybody complains that nobody stops and, you know, doesn't stop and smell the roses. I want to... Put that flower in your face. That's not how she said it. She said something along the lines of, when I uh, have it in my hand, it is a world. But what she did say, again, this isn't verbatim, but this is closer, is she said, I want to make people stop and look at flowers. And so she's got these huge macro giant uh, uh, paintings that are very realistic, but because they're so close up and macro, they kind of monkey with our sense of context, and they seem abstract. And so people read things into them. Oh, that's clouds, or that's just abstract shapes, or oh, that's something sexual. Now, looking at things, and most of us just glance and take for granted that we know what we saw. So one of the most important positive attitudes as far as art is concerned is wonder, curiosity with your eyes. Look at things. Really want to look at them and take the time to look at them and look at them closely. And don't just glance and take for granted that you know what you looked at. The second one is look again, look closer, look deeper, explore. I try talking with uh, 6th and 7th graders in art classes uh, about how you want to see different. And I talk about what's the difference between Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson. You know, John Watson is no dummy. He's no slouch. He went to medical school. He's a doctor. He uh, served in Afghanistan. He's a veteran. This is a very intelligent guy. But... The reason Sherlock Holmes explains to him, elementary, my dear Watson, you didn't catch it, is because Holmes has got this acute ability to look for, not just look at, but look for things that other people miss, to explore what you're looking at, now, to look at it from different perspectives, different angles, from up close or far away to try and get the big picture. Maybe compare it and contrast it with other things that you've seen. Maybe combine it with other things that you've seen in your mind. And examine it so closely that you discover new things about it and maybe you even discover new ways of seeing. That's a challenge. Yeah, that's a challenge, but that's a challenge that anybody can take up. They just have to want to. Hey, and no, you may not be great at it at first. It takes effort. It takes practice. But you don't have to be an artist to want to try and see things a little differently and to explore. Those are skills that lots of people, scientists have, engineers have, uh, uh, farmers have. Uh, you don't necessarily want to stop there. 
once you've taken in information, once you've struggled with it, processed it, personalized it, uh, wrestled with it, and finally gleaned something from it and, and learned from it, share what you've learned. Feed it with others. Show other people. It's like show and tell. You go back to second grade. You know, you, you have something exciting that you saw and you got excited about and you want to tell people about it. You want to share. A lot of us are doing that already in social media. Um, case in point here i don't maybe that nobody listens to this podcast uh i i I don't have a patreon page i am not supported by a a magazine or newspaper or website or radio station i'm not already famous i'm not planning on or hoping to become famous but i'm sharing these ideas you know do you do that with twitter or facebook or or uh reddit or instagram or snapchat i bet you do Something's funny, share it. Something's interesting or curious, share it. Something uh, has you fired up and you're uh, you're uh, outraged by it. You share it. Okay, so bring us back into art a little bit, maybe. Well, art teachers and and uh, um, people who study art in college basically we've got four strands, and this was. Uh, um, really uh, set forth in the 80s and 90s by J. Paul Getty Center for the Arts in California and the J. Paul Getty Trust. Uh, That's what I was taught at Concordia University in Seward, Nebraska, the art discipline and discipline-based art. There's four uh, different disciplines or four strands in DBEA. No, DBAE, discipline-based art education. Yeah. Um, And they are art history, uh, aesthetics, art production, and art criticism. Let me break those down for non-artists. They look at what art has been done in the past, you know, uh, other artists, art history, uh, cultures, art movements. Uh, Then they analyze how images are composed and structured, and that's something that I really try and and emphasize and tell my kids, maybe you can't draw like a photograph, okay? But you can look at how things are arranged and you can plan them and arrange them. And that part, design, is something that everybody, even if they're not a visual artist, really needs. You can be an inventor, you can be a scientist, you can be an engineer, uh, you can be a meteorologist, you can be a farmer, you can be a mechanic, you can drive truck. But if you understand a little bit about design, you're going to make your job work better and your life can be improved. So that's the second part. Uh, The third thing is, um, of course, making art. And again, maybe you're doing it for fun. Maybe you're not doing it to solve problems or to find creative solutions or using it as a thinking tool. Uh, maybe you're doing it to blow off steam. It's relaxing. Or uh, you, you're something that's stressful for you, so it's therapeutic. You know, how many of these adult uh, coloring books are huge now? And before that, uh, one of the things that a lot of us art teachers teach is a thing called Zentangle, which is essentially mindless doodling, uh, but it's, it's relaxing. Uh, so making art, there's tons of reasons for making art. And everybody can do it, even if they're not making a living making art. And here's what comes uh, down to something that is important in schools, and I'm one who believes it's just as important as English, social studies, math, and science, and those critical thinking skills. 
And you use that in art criticism. You are examining, you are reflecting, you're responding to art. And you've got to articulate what it is that you see. That's description. You've got to analyze and break down and understand uh, why does it look the way it looks? How is it composed and structured? That is something that policemen need. That's something that doctors and medical professionals need. Again, ag- agronomists and farmers out here in western Iowa. Uh, that kind of thing is, is hugely important. Analysis. So description, analysis, interpretation. I we are in a weird time now where we're so much access to information but we don't we have a, we kind of struggle with comprehension. So practicing interpretation skills, inference and connotation and annotation and I know I sound like an English teacher but art is a terrific way to expose kids to that K12. Uh, and they may be doing it, but they don't realize they're doing it because they're not doing it uh, with uh, parsing sentences. You know, uh, they're still using critical thinking skills, but they aren't doing it in math class or English language arts class. So all of that stuff is important in life, not just in school and certainly not just in art class. Uh, and then finally, something else that I think that a lot of us need to, to learn and train ourselves is giving and receiving feedback. You know, assessing. Instead of quickly judging and saying, I like this or I don't like this, assess it based on criteria. Okay, what are the goals? Is it meeting those goals? How could it meet those goals better? Uh, or how, you know, what are the handicaps? What's getting in the way, preventing it from meeting those goals? Great things in, in schools that do this and out of schools, actually. I think our 4-H and FFA uh, speech contests, you'll, you'll get that kind of thing too, and debate contests. Uh, are there standards that you need to meet? Are there criteria? And are you evaluated by a judge? The motto of 4-H is making the best better. Uh, a lot of kids get bent out of shape because they don't get the purple ribbon. They get a red ribbon or a white ribbon. Uh, and what they don't understand is what's more important than the photograph or the sculpture or the craft to the judge a lot of times is the write-up you know that you are talking about your process and how you got to your product and what's supposed to be more important to the the students and the parents is not the color of the ribbon or the place but the judges remarks and sometimes the judges will interview kids uh, other times they give you a, a, a worksheet that you filled out kind of a rubric it is about reflecting on, so, so what did you do that was successful and what didn't you do that you could have done that would have been more successful? That, that's how we learn. And this day and age, we're pretty um, thin-skinned. And you can't judge me because I'm my own person. Or you can't judge my art because it's mine. It's creative and expressive. And uh, you can't grade me or grades don't mean anything. And oh, Lord... They're measurements, they're metrics. They're meant to give you feedback and help you learn. So it's okay to show somebody something because maybe you can get ideas from them. You know, what do they like about it? What don't they like about it? Why don't they like about it? Uh, That thing about it. Uh, So in other words, 
Now, having an art mindset is being open to receiving feedback, taking it to your head and not to your heart, uh, and, and being able to provide feedback to others uh, in a constructive way, in a way that is meant to build them up and improve them, iron sharpens iron kind of thing, uh, challenge them, not in a really glib or um, mean-spirited, uh, 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 insensitive kind of way where it's just, you stack, I don't like you, and you okay? <laughs> so kind of been talking about that a little bit too long but let me let me just uh um backpedal a little bit that uh those are great ways to learn about art those four art disciplines art history uh design or aesthetics making art and then art criticism but i can get how non-artists even though I tried to explain them in a way that those are critical thinking skills and they apply to everything, I can see how non-artists and non-art students they still might not get that. How do you apply that to anything? Or how do you apply that to making art? Uh, so, let me get down to what I think really inspires and builds uh, an art mindset. And my hope, what my, my plan is, uh, it's not going to get done in eight weeks. I, it may not be done until the end of summer, but uh, I want to hopefully have um, eight more podcasts kind of based on this. A thing called Studio Habits of Mind. Back in about 2003, Harvard Graduate School of Education, they have a thing they call Project Zero. Uh, I, I have to do some more research in, on Project Zero and see exactly what it is, but they have a lot of different projects. One of them was um, working in schools in the Boston area to try and figure out you know, ways to motivate and interest kids in making art. And what do you learn from the process of making art. And it was just yesterday, recently, I, I saw uh, comments from uh, teachers in the art teachers group on Facebook uh, about, you know, I have these kids that say that they're in my class because they have to be, because they're required to have so many fine arts credits, and they don't want to take music or drama. And I, you know, how do I how do I teach them to appreciate art? They, all they do is complain, and they don't put any effort in. Well. I don't know, uh, this ought to be a way to, if kids are open to it, help them develop a desire to learn and to try and to put in effort. Uh, but even if and when it doesn't work that way, it certainly, I think, is a tool for teachers that in a somewhat objective way, you can give parents and students feedback on their attitude. You know, you can do grade class participation or you do grade attitude and you can't do that. That's too subjective. It's not fair. Well, if you uh, are teaching kids about these eight things and have them focus on it, maybe you have them grade themselves on it or you score them on it. Uh, at any rate, so in 2003, Project Zero from Harvard Graduate School, they came up with this list of eight ways of thinking that students, artists, that student artists use and can learn while in the process of making art. 
they say that they don't want to present them in a numbered list, although very often that's how they, they show up because they say there's no hierarchy to these. None of them are more important than the others. Um, there's not a linear sequence to them. Uh, it's not that one leads to another. But all eight of them work together, and all eight of them can build on each other and, and proceed from each other. So here's the list. See if I have it memorized by now. Um, developing craft, uh, engaging and persisting, uh, envisioning, expressing, observing, uh, reflecting, um, I'm guarantee you I'm missing one of them. Yeah, because I'm only coming up with seven instead of eight. I know the eighth one is uh, understanding and connecting with the art world. Well, at any rate, these eight... Uh, and if you look at uh, my website uh, or look for my blog post or look for this terrible YouTube video I tried to do, you'll, 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 you can just Google it. You're going to find these lists everywhere of these eight studio habits of mind. Um, these are things that um, how you assess them, how you grade them might be different for every teacher. But... Um, Hopefully, uh, what I use are, are three different levels. Try and simplify it, not have eight levels or ten levels or so forth and so on. Um, in uh, standardized testing language, they would probably say proficient, adequate, and inadequate. Uh, one movement, I think this is part of that uh, growth mindset kind of a thing, is not yet. Right. So you could say they've got it, just about got it. Or, no, they don't have it yet. Now, I call it growing, which means that you're really trying and, and you are learning and growing. Uh, coasting, which means you already have skills and you're just kind of riding, you know, or, or riding your laurels, as they say. Uh, or being a slacker. And maybe that's too much of a 90s term. They don't use it in 2020 teens anymore. But those are those are mine. Growing, um, coasting, or slacking. Bottom line, though, is that, that kids often blame their poor product on a lack of talent. And using these three descriptions, growing, coasting, or slacking, I hope is going to help kids know that they haven't invested enough in the process. You only get as much out of it as you put into it. And no pain, no gain. Um, yeah. Generally, when you're learning and growing or improving, you, you pretty well know it. But this description, I hope, is going to celebrate and, and, and show gratitude from the teacher to the artist. And you can do this for yourself. You know, show gratitude for yourself. Celebrate your successes. Uh, not in terms of your finished product, but in terms of the effort that you put in and your learning. Hopefully, combining a growth mindset and positive behavior initiatives and visual learning and, and visual uh, um, uh, literacy with these six studio, eight studio habits of mind will really build a, a art mindset. Uh, 
Maybe that nobody ever hears this. Maybe that you come back in a week or two and, and hopefully I'll have another one because I am planning on talking about all eight. And since this is the introduction, naturally this took a lot longer. Hopefully the rest of them are going to be a lot shorter.